What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder Podcast, back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. I am in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. And, of course, it is a long days, long nights. I mean, it's good times for all. And uh, I think Jeff's still in New Orleans. I, th- I think he's still, like, thwarting beads or whatever he's doing. Like, just don't get in the way of, like, chaos and, and, and this, that, and the other. Jeff, you, you good down there or what? Yeah, Larry, I didn't do one minute of Mardi Gras this year. Not not one minute. Even though Toth, that's depressing. Toth went that's sad. right by my front door. Um, but I just had too much going on work-wise. And look, I'll dive back into the Mardi Gras next year. In some ways, it kind of will re-energize me. You know how like a coach takes a year off and they come back energized? That's what I feel like for Mardi Gras. Um, You're like Mike McCarthy, right? Yes. You need like a year off. <laughs> That's what I, I noticed your voice was kind of lower today for some reason. Is there Man, a- when you go to the combine, it is it is long days and long nights. And I could tell you, uh, last night was a a long night of networking and talking to people, and it's actually perfect timing. Even though I may sound rough, but it just means I I I did the duty and did the due diligence and was able to go out and uh, and get. Plenty uh, just talking to folks like around the league, this, that, and the other. And now it's been really good. But, of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you're certainly uh, either A, uh, subscribing to The Athletic, which we appreciate. And if you're not, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can go get 40% off your annual subscription, uh, doing all kinds of things, of course, New Orleans-wise, national-wise. I mean, we have a complete gigantic army up here in Indianapolis. If you want to read about anybody or any team, you could certainly do that with a subscription or of course, subscribe Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast rate, review, subscribe, do all those good things. But yeah, Jeff, it was hilarious. It's uh, it's like, I, I, I'm literally up here and it's like, all right, you turn one direction, you're talking to saints guys. And then you turn to another re- direction and, uh, you run into the like the unassuming Matt Rule and the unassuming Joe Brady, and all of a sudden it's like, didn't I talk with you like two months ago about LSU, and now you're up here like offensive coordinator? It's yeah, it's, it last night was kind of a wild ride, and uh, we got we got a lot of goodies uh, talking about uh, just prospects and free agency and, and things like that. And but but Jeff, I, I know you're uh, I know you're writing a column about kind of your blueprint to the off season. Uh, just just for you, like, what are some of the things that maybe you're thinking of, like, with the Saints? And I can actually like chime in of like some of the things I've been hearing up here too. But like, what are some of maybe the more important things that you're thinking of? Because it's not just draft prospects up here; it's free agency. It's it's like the the NFL world. And so, of course, you are uh, you're getting kind of the scope of things. But Jeff, I, I know, like I said, I know you were diving into some of this stuff. What are the things that maybe kind of stick out to you? Obviously, we're done with quarterback talk. We know where we're going there. But like, what are some of the things to you that that are kind of sticking out, like and pinging to you? Well, I tell you, Larry, I think there's some things that might not be on the front burner for fans that might be a little more important to the team, uh, and uh, they might not be as sexy 
as, say, what everyone talks about the wide receiver position. That's a very conspicuous position. For instance, I would say I think they need a tackle. You know, I think if we don't know what happens with Andres Pete, maybe he does come back. He's always been their third tackle. But given Taron Armstead's injury history, he hasn't played a full season in his entire career. Uh, they need a backup tackle somewhere, you know, like something like that. And I think the thing that strikes me more than anything, though, when I look at the roster is just how good this team still is. I think all of us tend to fall into the trap of uh, being a prisoner of the present and thinking, overreacting to the Vikings game, right? Um, and the fact that these this team has fallen short of the Super Bowl three years in a row, I, I get it. But the fact is the team's won more games than any team in the NFL in the last three years. They've won 13 games back-to-back seasons, which hardly is ever done. And the roster is loaded. There's 11 players that were in the freaking Pro Bowl area. You know what I mean? like, And most of them are back. So this team is built to win right now. And I know your column the other day said the same thing. I mean, the window is still open. As long as Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis are there, they're going to be aggressive. So I, I think this is more of an offseason of tweaking in some ways. Uh, but uh, position-wise, uh, I think there's some positions that are sneaky needs. And the one that stands out to me more than maybe any other right now is cornerback, just because there's so much uncertainty there on the depth chart. There's so many moving parts, and it's such an important position in the NFL, and so many other teams need corners, that I think that's a hugely important position for this team going forward. Yeah, Jeff, let's let's stick with cornerback because that's a, that's a good position. To, uh, obviously, everybody needs a great corners. I mean, we know they have Marshawn Lattimore. I don't necessarily think they're going to be doing like a contract extension for him at this point just because they do have some flexibility there, uh, whether it's uh, you, you got a fifth-year option and that sort of thing. So it's not that's not like a pressing need now for his deal. But I do think that at corner, you have so many variables there. You have Eli Apple, who's a free agent. P.J. Williams, he's a free agent. Patrick Robinson, I mean, he's making way too much money and and not doing enough. I mean, so yeah. they're certainly looking there. And so I, I do think, though, that they're starting cornerbacks next year, I, like in their base defense. I do feel like it will be Marshawn Lattimore, and I do feel like it will be Janoris Jenkins. And I feel like that they are fine with paying him for one year a cap number of like $11 million. I feel like they they feel like they're good there. Now slot corner. I do th- feel like that that's a question, but it's funny. Like, cause you go into this draft and it's not like they have like this overwhelming bunch of corners and say like somebody like, of course, Raider pride, uh, Christian Fulton, he oh, could be man. around for number 24, but I'm just saying he might, like you don't have to you don't feel the need like you have to take someone like that. Or right. you don't have to like take someone like Xavier McKinney who's a safety or a Grant Delpit who's a safety. Like I feel like what they're looking at up here, like they can be kind of open and free to do that. But I do feel like that Janoris Shankins will be the starter next to Marshawn Lattimore. But that nickel cornerback spot, I do feel like is a question mark, Jeff. Well, and here's the thing, Larry. Janoris Jenkins is 32. So I think everybody's in agreement right now. This team is built to win right now. It makes sense. In almost every free agent position that we're going to talk about, you can see them taking a, uh, a, a, 
you know, signing a player for one or two years. You know, that's basically what Jared Cook is, right? I mean, Jared Cook's in his early 30s. Uh, they're not worried about Jared Cook in two or three years. They're trying to win a Super Bowl now with Drew Brees. And I think that's the way they look at Janoris Jenkins. But at some point, they're going to have to have another young corner on the roster. And that's where it feeds into exactly what you're saying. They don't have to take one in the first round. But if there's one there that they like, it makes perfect sense for them to take one in the first round because you got Jenkins up in age and who won't be under contract after this next season. So I could see that easily being a first-round draft pick for this team. Yeah, and I, I do feel like you're right. Like People get into the moment to where, oh my gosh, they lost in wild-card round, but they've won 11, 13, and 13. Like, this is still a very good team. It's still one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, I feel like. And we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, just how that this team's good, and they ran. They had a bad day. I mean, they had a yep. bad day, and really and bad that's day. right, and and that's what it was. And so, uh, that's they're they're still very good. Now, do they have to tweak some things? Sure, and they are definitely looking kind of like all over the scope. And Jeff, it, I'm I'm just kind of stream of thought, like bouncing around my head. Yeah, uh, you mentioned, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, like offensive line. There's definitely some question marks. They're going in the off season uh, with their offensive line. There's no doubt that they're to me, probably not going to sign Andres Pete again. And Larry Warford's going in the last year of his contract, like that interior of the offensive line. I feel like that they have a concern with, and I'm curious to see where they go uh, because look, they've spent in free agency before with offensive line. When Carl Nix left, they spent a little less and got Ben Grubbs. Uh, when they needed a tackle, um, well, a, a guard, instead of spending like huge money on Kevin Zeitler, they went and got Larry Warford, of course, he, and he's been he's been definitely a solid piece of this puzzle. So I do feel like that that's a piece. And here's a, a really actually interesting scenario that that might take place: that if like push comes to shove, and if some if they love uh, someone like at a center position, like, they might not be close to the fact like maybe they move Eric McCoy like mm-hmm. that could be something that they might do and he played a little bit of guard in college I mean I'm not going to say that's going to happen this year but that is something that maybe we don't think about that they might do and I- I'm curious to see kind of what happens there no I think that's a great point and I think they're all about um getting the five best linemen they can get on the field right that's what they did with Andres Pete. he was a tackle when he came out of Stanford uh, he ends up finding a home at guard, and he was clearly one of the five best linemen they had. I think I, that makes perfect sense to me, and I think the offensive line is an area that people might not be thinking about that is going to get some attention this year because we know – that's one of the real misperceptions, I think, about the Saints' offense in the Peyton Breeze era. Uh, they've always invested heavily in the offensive line. You mentioned Larry Warford. They've used a ton of high draft picks – Ryan Ramchek, uh, McCoy, uh, Armstead was a third-round pick. Uh, they value the offensive line, I think, more than most teams in the league. And it's not just the pass blocking. They, they want to be able to run the ball. They want to have that balance. And that's an area that I think is a sneaky need, not just this year, because as you know, Larry, uh, general managers, guys like Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, they're looking two, three years down the road at the roster. And while right now – there's not a pressing need. Well, you could make a case maybe there is with Pete potentially leaving. 
they still have to have that line intact down the road and Warford's contract situation and the fact that he's getting up there in age makes a lot of sense. I could see him drafting or free agency getting two linemen, a tackle and a guard, uh, interior guy, not just for this year but for the future. Yeah, it's just hard. I feel like people, of course, center around the first-round pick, and I, I, I just don't know if there's like an interior lineman that they would go for there. Like, I feel like the top interior lineman, it's it's just coincidental, uh, is Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people are kind of paying attention in, but he, of course, he was a center, and uh, you know, I, I I feel like that the Saints could use him, but I I don't know where he's going to go. They don't have a second round pick, so of course we're always having to play like these like mumbo jumbo games. Like, all right, well, the Saints don't have this pick, so what do you do there? And so uh, you know, maybe they trade up this, that, and the other. But I would say, and Jeff, you're right. Just you're, and we're not just talking age. It's like, all right, they're going to have to resign Ryan Ramchek. We know that, but also look, Teron Armstead. You're right. He he just he gets banged up. I mean, he's a great player when he's right, and of course, he's a very uh, a very likable guy, like one of the leaders in the locker room. But it's like when you keep coming up and getting injured, like you've got to have protection. Like I don't know necessarily right now because I assume Andre Speech is gonna he's gonna be gone. Like I don't know on the top of my head who would be their backup tackle. Like right. I don't know that's, if there really is one. I think that's, that's an that's issue. why I think it's a, a need. I mean. They have a guy named Derek Kelly on the practice squad who's a rookie, and that's the only other tackle on the roster. Is it Patrick Omame? You know, is he capable of moving in there? I don't know, but I think it's a huge need uh, that maybe people aren't thinking about. Remember, they drafted that Rick Leonard two years ago, and he didn't pan out. They brought in Marshall Newhouse last year, uh, ended up cutting him. He kind of he kind of was at the end of his career. But I think it could be. Well, hell, Marshall Newhouse ended up starting it in New England, which is kind of crazy, as as bad as that was. Yeah. But I I just think like it's it's the offensive lines an area we're not thinking of thinking of, and I personally think defensive backs a huge area just because of the future. You you know, they have not really drafted a corner since Lattimore, and and you know what struck me, Larry, and we haven't talked about this I think on the pod in the past, but just doing research on the cornerback spot, um, man, I mean. I know pro football focus is not the end-all, be-all. I have some issues with their grading. But Marshawn Lattimore's overall grade has declined uh, each year since his rookie year, and it's been pretty significant. And this past year, according to pro football focus, the highest-graded corner on the Saints roster was Janoris Jenkins, and he was only 48th in the league, and most of that was done with the Giants. Lattimore was only 53rd, and then it drops way off to Eli Apple and Patrick Robinson – and P.J. Williams was like 176th. That's an area that I think we've we've not focused on primarily because I think the Saints have been so good up front and their front seven, it's covered up some of the back-end issues that this team's had, especially at corner. And look, they're going to get Davenport back. We assume Brankins maybe be, will be back, Onyemata, who knows. But the front four should be back intact next year at a level that kind of helps that back end, but they still we saw in the playoffs when they were missing Davenport and Rankins, uh, their cornerback situation got exposed. Yeah, and I also I'm with you, kind of just with like pro football focus. Their grades can be subjective, obviously, but uh, you and me lean on a lot uh, the uh, pro football reference of the approximate value of players and this, that, and the other. And I've I've graded out just using that kind of value of where the corners stand and 
they still see from last year Marshawn Lattimore as say like a top eight to sixteen corner league. So one of the better corners in the league. And then Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, and one and Janoris Jenkins is like right under that. But yeah, Janoris Jenkins, I mean he had a he had a good year like with the Giants. Like I don't feel I feel like when they made that move that of course he comes with he came with like a little bit of baggage. I mean he's uh, but I do feel like that the Saints felt like all right this is baggage we can overcome. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, some of the things and and so I do feel like that if you put Jenkins and Lattimore, I do feel like that that is a, a good tandem of corners. Now, you, but you mentioned it's like all the other ones. You're like, whoa, what's going to happen? Like, I don't feel like they're going to resign Eli Apple. I think he's going to walk. Now, also in the secondary, of course, uh, one of the bigger free agents uh, for the Saints is going to be Von Bell. I do feel like that they would want Von Bell back, but you know how the Saints operate, Jeff. They basically. They'll have a ceiling on yep. how much they feel like they want to pay someone. And if he goes above that ceiling, they're not going to budge. And exactly. uh, they really like what Von Bell's brought, but they don't want to go. too, right, Larry? I right. Mean, there's right. some other exactly. options there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you're talking like C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I mean, he's he would be the, the primo person. Right. Uh, now, I'm wondering about free safety. I mean, we're all thinking, all right, Marcus Williams going into the final year of his contract. We've seen him do some. Uh, some hit or miss things, obviously, and so uh, I'm I'm wondering there, but but no, I think also safety, like l- l- just that whole defensive backfield. I think you're right, Jeff. Your point is that it kind of gets covered up sometimes because they've been pretty good up front, but that is something that they need to look into. There's no doubt. Well, when they play good teams, I, I think sometimes uh, one of the things I always try to advise people on, you know, fans uh, when you watch the games is who are they playing? You know, who who are they going against? Sometimes uh, we, we get caught up in the secondary, and I don't want to say I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but but they'll have a good game, and we, and we start heaping praise on how well they're playing, and they're going against, you know, a very poor quarterback, you know, the Carolina with the, the, the rookie playing, Will Greer or something. But when this team has played good quarterbacks, guys like Matt Ryan and, and elite guys in this league, They've struggled to stop them. Now, I know that's probably true for most teams in the league, but the point is when they play against good teams, their their, their cornerback situation gets exposed. And that's going to be an issue when you reach the playoffs. And that's the that's the expectation of this team every year. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you're going to be going against guys like Patrick Mahomes, and they're going to find your weaknesses and guys like P.J. Williams. And, and there's a reason that the Vikings win at P.J. Williams on that last play in the playoffs. I mean, that's a guy that really struggles in man-to-man coverage, and there's a reason that they targeted him so often. And if you look at those games, like like the Falcons games, when Matt Ryan, who's familiar with their team, the guys like Eli Apple get targeted, and they don't hold up. And that's when I'm – I think the Saints know that, and I think they know they've got to get better there. And that one guy I was going to ask you about that I think we were all forgetting about is Saquon Hampton. We don't. I don't know how the Saints feel about him, but they invested a draft pick on him. He saw the field a little bit last year, but there's another safety option, I guess, in the mix. He was only a six-round pick, but it is a guy you've got on the roster that that you know you liked enough to draft. Yeah, they did like him, and um, that, that's actually a really good point. I, honestly, heck, I forget about him <laughs> because he was he was in the mix and he got kind of injured in training camp and kind of went forward. But yeah, that's someone they they could certainly look at. But you know, it, it, it's something that uh, I know that they have called them out 
openly. Like Sean Payton's been like, the back end has to be improved. Like they know, like if, like, like you said. And how many good quarterbacks are they going to be playing next year? A ton. So it's uh, they they got to fix that there. But but yeah, another spot on, on defense where we got to kind of look at, and it's not like there's a a glut of linebackers here. Uh, you've got like. Isaiah Simmons, but he's going to go early. Like Patrick Queen from LSU, he's been getting a lot of good run, and he might be like a middle of the first round guy. But they need to look at linebacker because you have Demario Davis and then AJ Klein. He's a free agent. Uh, Kiko Alonso, I feel like he's his cap number is almost like eight million dollars, right. and I don't think they're going to keep him. And so I do feel like that they are going to look at linebacker. And they do it in free agency. They don't necessarily do it in draft. Like mm-hmm. they they know that they they Stephon Anthony is like the only linebacker of note I can remember that they've taken in the last I don't know decade and tried to play him and he didn't pan out. But I do feel like linebacker and free agency for sure is something that they they're going to be looking at. Yeah, I think it's another underrated spot that people aren't thinking about. Um, other than Demario Davis, who do you hang your hat on? Uh, AJ Klein is also a guy that uh, he's like in the same boat, in my opinion, as Kiko Alonso. I mean, his his contract voids. Do they want him back? He was uh, something of a liability in pass coverage. There's no doubt. I think this team, more than just uh, getting a body in there, they need a they need an aspect of linebacker play, and that is uh, a cover guy. The way the league has evolved, uh, is spread as the offenses are now. Uh, you know, as often as people are using the tight ends, you've got to have that kind of guy. The Saints have used Vaughn Bell and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, that P.J. Williams even was defending tight ends this past year. Uh, they could use one of those run-and-hit linebacker guys, Patrick Queen type. Uh, but will they invest a first-rounder? I don't know. But I think there's definitely a need there because really, other than Demario Davis, I know they like Caden Ellis, the young kid, uh, that they drafted last year who was on IR all last season. But I think he's more of a, a Mike linebacker type. I'm not sure he's the will run and hit kind of guy that uh, this team could use, especially one in pass coverage. Yeah, and Demario Davis plays that will spot. And so like that's that's pretty uh that's obviously set. I mean they love what's going on right. with Demario Davis. But but here's here the a player I would not discount like in free agency because they'd certainly go and all you have to do is look at the history, and they go after linebackers and free agency. I mean, that's just what they do. And uh, I would not discount them taking a look at Jamie Collins. Of he's a free agent. He had a he had a really good year in New England, and that's someone who I think they might take a look at. And mm-hmm. will it maybe cost? Yeah. Did they spend money on AJ Klein when they got him? Yes. Did they spend money on Demario Davis when they got him? Yes. So they're not unwilling to spend money but jamie collins i mean he's not necessarily like a mike linebacker but he's someone that like a difference maker like a veteran guy who's yep. playing well like i feel like jamie collins might be someone they take a look at that's a great point and, and in the past those are the kind of guys they brought in at linebacker they bring in vets that are smart that are versatile uh i know that was a kind of an mo for joe vitt when he was the linebackers coach and then mike nolan took over he appreciated vets as well um that's a position that I could easily see them doing that on. And, and it makes a lot of sense, a guy like Collins or someone like that with a winning pedigree. We know how much 
Sean Payton values that. I mean, that's basically what Kiko Alonso was, you know, a veteran guy who's credentialed, who can be interchangeable. I know they also like that at the linebacker position. They like guys that can play multiple spots there. So I think a veteran is probably the way they go there in free agency uh, at linebacker. They've done it in the past. It's been a been a tried and true method for them. And I don't know much about this Michael Hodges, the new linebackers coach. I know they're really high on him. Uh, he's been been very well thought of uh, when he's been the assistant linebackers coach uh, under Nolan. Uh, but I don't know if you know he's a guy that values the vets the same way Vitt and Nolan did. But I know that Peyton and Loomis, that's been something that they've always wanted to do, bring in linebackers that come from winning pedigrees, and they've done it over the years multiple times. Yeah, I feel like if there's a position they're going to spend in free agency, it would be that. I mean, they've done it in the past, and I feel like they could do it again in the future. And it's not like we, we, the hot topic is wide receiver because obviously you want to compliment to Mike Thomas. and they, But they don't have a history of doing that. I mean, the, the two top receivers they spent in free agency over the last, what, 15 years? Jeff, it's crazy. It's Ted Ginn and David Patton. Like those are the guys. Like they don't. They're not going out and like spending mega bucks. Like I just don't see them doing that. Uh, and then obviously they're going to be looking uh, at the draft class today because uh, Thursday it's the first day of on field workouts where you have quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends. So they're going to be certainly looking at that. Uh, but I don't feel like wide receivers a position they're just going to go out and. They, they don't want to. They've seen the the pitfalls and the landmines where you spend a ton of money on wide receivers and they never pan out. So I just don't think that that's going to be the route for the Saints. Uh, that they're going to look more in the draft. But of course, it's like you only have one pick in day one, and you only have one pick in day two, and so it's you you got to be flexible. And I, I'm just curious to see where the Saints go with that. Well, I think wide receivers. It's such a conspicuous position. I think people. Uh, naturally gravitate to it, but I don't think it's nearly as big a need. Uh, I'm talking about big name, brand name receiver. I don't see that happening either at all. First of all, the Saints already have their brand name receiver. They got a number one in Mike Thomas. That's the guy you're paying. You can only pay so much to the wide receiver position, and the Saints historically have never done that. I mean, they're paying Mike Thomas big money, they're not going to go out and pay A.J. Green to come in here, the money he's looking for, to be a bookend with him. It doesn't make any sense. What the Saints need right now are role-player receivers. They need a deep threat if they don't bring Ted Ginn Jr. back. They need someone that can you know, get deep. And they need like a slot receiver. Those guys, they can get on the second market, secondary market and free agency for little to no cost, relatively speaking. Uh, they're not. I just don't see them going out. And I don't think they think it's that big a deal. I think they want to increase uh, and improve the competition at that position, but they've got 11 receivers on the roster right now. There's a reason they got that many receivers. They know that they need to create competition there and find some secondary and third options. But the way Jared Cook developed last year, uh, I think they've got to feel good about that. And I think that's another position that I could see them um, going You know, in the draft maybe for a young tight end or maybe another – Veteran tight end, but you know, you think about it, Larry. Uh, Jerry Cooks. This is will be the second of his third year of a three-year deal. I think he's got, or maybe it's a two-year deal. But he he is up in age. He's in his thirties. We know Josh Hills had a bunch of injury history. Beyond those two, uh, they don't really have a tight end. I mean, they were playing Taysom Hill at tight end last year. They brought Mitchell Lowen off the practice squad and started training, cross-training him at tight end. That's how big a need they had 
at depth at tight end. So I could see them getting a tight end somewhere. It's not going to be a big brand name guy and it might not be a high draft pick, but I could see a need for a third tight end in this offense because of all the other uh, issues they got. If they're going to make Taysom Hill more of the backup quarterback or use him more, he's going to be the quarterback of the future. You're not going to want him playing too much tight end, I think, going forward. Yeah, you look at him and uh, – as in Jared Cook I'm talking about. And he's in the last year of his deal. I, I certainly think that is something they have to look at. And you're right. They, they There's definitely – and it's not like there's this – this draft class isn't known for. I feel like what was it last year? Like they, there were yes, a ton of tight ends. Tight end. Yeah, and not not the same this year. And your big name free agents are like Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper, and I, I don't think they're going to go. They're, they're going to get money. Like so, I don't think the Saints are going to go spend and try to p- potentially whiff like old. I'm, I'm about to anger Saints fans, but it's like. Spend money on Kobe Fleener. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> and right. uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, that, that that was a big whiff. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that's a spot that they could certainly look at. But uh, but uh, but Jeff, I mean, I'd be remiss if we don't. I mean, you you mentioned your golden boy, Taysom Hill. There wasn't. There hasn't been this overwhelming conversation about Taysom Hill uh, like it was like Super Bowl week. But he's still part of the conversation. Of course, it's. You're looking past your breeze. What do they do? And their quarterbacks, they're working out today. And I, I find it still, to me, I'm I'm still to the point where it's like we're looking forward. And when Taysom Hill potentially could be the starter, I feel like they, they should still have a challenger to that starter uh, and, and make him win the job. Don't hand them the keys. And yet, uh, I'm not sure – in this quarterback class, as in draft, where the Saints might go if they go. I mean, we've talked about, oh, you know, dream scenario, trade up for Joe Burrow. Dream scenario, trade up for Tua. And that, those are my, like, of course, wacko dream dreamland worlds. But like, <laughs> I don't know outside of that if they see someone in this class that, all right, can challenge Taysom Hill. I don't, I don't know if I see that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, Sean Payton – said something the other day, kind of got glossed over um, in the local media. I think everybody was so caught up in Mardi Gras, frankly, that no one noticed. But Peyton was on WWL radio, and he talked about Taysom Hill. And you know how Sean is. I mean, we've talked to him so many times. We've talked about this on the podcast. When he says certain things, <clears throat> it'll raise your antenna up. And he was talking about the Taysom Hill situation. I'll, I'll read exactly what he said. He said um, – I think if he was unsigned prior to the league year, I'd anticipate us really paying close attention to that and looking at that first-round tender. Now, I think it will take some time relative to, to his contract because it's unique, A, in what he's doing now, and B, what we feel like he can be and what he can do when Drew does retire. So that will probably take a little bit more work than the contract that Mickey does with Drew. But for the fans that are listening, the club that has the restricted free agent player uh, – or for that matter, the free agent, you know, the one club they can negotiate with prior to the start of the league year is the club that you're just finished playing with. That indicated to me, Larry, that that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to get Taysom Hill to sign a multi-year deal before free agency, get him locked up. Now, if I'm Taysom Hill, I don't know sure I'm going to do that. I think I want to try and see what's available to me on the open market. But when he says things like that, Larry, you know there's some smoke uh, there's more. There's fire to that smoke. Oh, absolutely. And 
I think the Saints still do want to see what the market sets for Taysom Hill because you obviously don't want to overpay. And so uh, you're wondering what other teams might value him, and that's that's your leverage. I mean, when you're a restricted free agent, obviously that's your leverage. And so I do think that they're going to see if another team – like they don't have to give him a multi-year deal now. But I, I think in good faith – if they want him to be the starter, they will. And so I, I'm curious to see what that is, how he values himself, and and, and such. And and so it that is certainly going to be a storyline going forward because it's funny. It's like, oh, Drew Brees is back, and yet we're all starting to look toward the future, even though they're a very good team, which is it's kind of weird. But <laughs> the fact that we're doing that, I mean, but that's that's kind of the nature of the business. But but Jeff, I could tell you. Uh, obviously, they're look. All the quarterbacks are up here right now. Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, uh, uh, Jacob Eason, uh, Jordan Love, uh, uh, you know Jake Fromm, and there's been a lot of connection in say mock draft world with Jordan Love to the Saints, and we've talked about it a little bit on the pod too uh, because our own Dave Brugler he did a mock draft uh, a few weeks ago connecting them. And Jeff, I, uh, you know, just from talking with people while I've been up here, I, I think if there's a quarterback that they actually might go after, it would actually be Jake Fromm. It would not be Jordan Love, even though he's got these, of course, connections like, oh, he's Patrick Mahomes, you know, the fascination. I think that they would look more at Fromm, and it obviously wouldn't be day one. But if they were looking to a quarterback, it would be more about Fromm than any of the other guys because they don't want to. Ex- they're not going to want to spend a first round pick. They don't have a number two, and so I, I think they're going to look really closely at Fromm from from the people I've talked to. Yeah, and Fromm makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy that a lot of people compare him to is Drew Brees, and um, you know he's a cerebral guy, and um, he would fit the Saints system perfectly. Uh, so that makes perfect sense to me, and not using a first-round pick, I just cannot see them investing a first-round pick in a quarterback right now. Uh, I just, I'll be stunned in the fact they don't have a second-rounder. Maybe they fall in love with somebody. Maybe it is from, and they, we know that this team will move into a, a round and move up. They're not afraid to do that. Uh, maybe they feel the need to do that if they, if they get further in the evaluation process and really like from. But um, he makes more sense to me than love uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, so I'm curious to see where they go there, but yeah, I the more I, you know, I'm I'm on the boat. I've always been on like the dream boat, uh, as yeah, you've heard. Give me good Joe Burrow, give me Tua. I, I love those guys, but obviously they're not going to be feasible. But yeah, so if you're looking at that, I would look. I would think more day two. I don't think they're all the mock drafts. You're still going to see all these all names connecting this, that, and the other to a quarterback. I wouldn't buy it. I I think the Saints. Uh, if they go quarterback at some point, it would definitely be day two. It would not be day one. So, uh, you know, obviously they're they're going to look at workouts today. There's no doubt about that. But still, that's where uh, where my head is. But uh, but uh, yeah, Jeff. So it's a bright sunny day in Indianapolis. I might have to go out and talk to some folks. And you know, uh, are, are you still uh, you still good, Mardi Gras? You're not like. You well, don't have the Mardi Gras rot. You're good. The fact that you like did nothing. I mean, come on, man. What's what's no, going on here, with that? Here's the thing that I think our listeners need to know about. First of all, the combine is a 
is blossomed and, and mushroomed into this beast of an event. Uh, I can remember going back in the early days up in Indianapolis, and uh, you know it was mainly the the NFL media core, and that was about it. With the the proliferation now of draft websites, draft publications online, uh, it is a massive event. And I think what people need to know, and I want to ask you about this, is it's not just uh, you alluded to it earlier, Larry, but it's it's not just about the uh, prospects on on the field and the medical in, in medical procedures and evaluations and the interviews for people like ourselves that are up there in the media and the frankly the players and coach uh, players and front office executives and uh, the coaches and front office executives it is basically like a little convention and you go out and they're often out around town Indianapolis is a, a lot like New Orleans it's a very small downtown footprint so it's very easy to run into coaches, general managers. They're all over the place. They're crawling over this, what is it, about five or six square block of downtown Indianapolis. It's almost impossible not to run into somebody. And uh, you end up spending a lot of time just networking and talking because all the agents are there as well. The NFL PA meetings are there. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe allude to that a little bit about – some of some of the years you've been up there, including this year, and some of the stories you have of like gathering information and running into people, uh, as opposed to just sitting there in the in the media room uh, looking at a forty time, for instance. That's really not what this is about. No, it's not. That's actually really what it's not about. Like for for our uh, our purposes, and it's funny, uh, Jeff, because last night it's like, let's see, I ran into Sean Payton and Don Yee. And Don Yee is Sean Payton's agent, and also Don Yee is also Tom Brady's agent. So, ooh, let's let let's get crazy and let's say they're gonna they're gonna get rid of Drew Brees and Tom Brady's gonna come here. It's it's funny, and then it's like I turn like my next corner, and all of a sudden the unassuming Matt Rule is standing right there with, of course, Boy Wonder Joe Brady, and I <laughs> turn around and start talking to them, and it's. We're, we're it, it, yeah, it, it, literally, it's like everywhere you turn when you're up here, you run into people like that, and uh, for for this time of year, and yeah, it's certainly not just draft. It is free agency. I mean, people. There's a reason. Like all the agents are here. Everybody's talking uh, about players, this, that, and the other. I mean, it's this is like the epicenter of the NFL universe every year uh, w- when you come to this thing. And but yeah, Jeff, it's. It's amazing. Like you can't go like if you're in the convention center, uh, the Indiana convention center, which is attached to Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, you walk out of like say the media room, like where we're working. All of a sudden, you run into one person, run into ten people. Like you can't. It's like a two hour journey just to leave. And so yeah, so it's it's a uh, you know some just a heads up. Some of the things I'm telling uh, and I'm talking about on this podcast. Or because I've talked to people, like I'm not just like throwing these things out here. So <laughs> I think that's that's the point where people got to understand. Like if I'm throwing out a Jamie Collins, or if I'm throwing out oh you know things like a, about Von Bell or interior offensive line, it's it's not just coincidence. Trust me. Like that's well, that's part of the thing that we do up here. So I got a couple stories. This, these are these are the things I, I love to do on the pod. And I'm sure you can top that off with your own. But old days, back in the old days, uh, Brian Ali Walsh and I were on the beat for the Times-Picayune. This was back at the Combine 
when the Saints were rumored to be trading Ricky Williams. It was a huge story. Ricky Williams, of course, Heisman Trophy winner, the celebrated uh, trade of the entire draft by Mike Dicka. And here they were going to move him. This was in the Jim Hazlitt, Randy Mueller days. And we found out that Dave Wonstadt and the Dolphins staff, coaching staff, were having dinner at the, the Ruth's Chris downtown. So Brian and I went and staked out the bar. We sat in the bar and waited until they got done. We had a couple of glasses of uh, glasses of wine. I have to admit, but we sat there. No, and staked y'all, out. You, you two, you two guys had wine. Get out of here. Yes, but we staked out wine stat until they finally. It seemed like it took forever. I remember waiting forever, and he finally. They all got up, and we pounced and we cornered wine stat in the lobby there of the, of the Roos Chris, and basically got the story. We got it there in Indianapolis about. Their interest level. I mean, he was he was dancing around it, but he'd had a few glasses of wine himself, as you can imagine. And and then one other quick story uh, in regard to the combine that always sticks out to me was, and I can't remember the name of this this place. You might know it. It's a kind of a a, a restaurant slash bar in downtown. I, I, I keep wanting to say like Izzy's or something, but. Um, it, oh, anyway, it's, it, uh, it's is it like Frank and Izzy's or Henry? I forget. Yeah, Harry I know. And it's, Izzy's, it's maybe. A, Harry and Izzy's. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. It, it's kind of a famous among the coaches and, and scouts up there. Kind of a famous. Uh, how can I say this? Cougar bar is that fair to say? Cougar bar or <laughs> divorcee bar? I don't know how to describe it. Any other way. <laughs> but you could go in there, and it was crawling with coaches and executives, scouts in there working the scene. A lot of them maybe just having fun dancing, but it was a it was kind of an 80s dance bar. And I'll never forget seeing Wade Phillips in there dancing, holding court on the dance floor. Now, Wade was not in there trying to pick anybody up. He just liked to dance, but he was out in the middle of the dance floor for hours. Uh, it was just hilarious. Those are the kind of things you run into uh, in Indianapolis. If you're just out on the scene, you just never know who you're going to see. I remember that night, the Cowboys had their bus outside. Jerry Jones has this incredible, uh, you know, uh, tour bus. Yeah, you can't get away. When you see when you see the Jerry bus, I mean, you you see yes. the Jerry bus. Yes. Yeah, I was parked outside. <laughs> I didn't know where he was. He probably was holding court in the bus. But it's just a crazy scene. And there will be a great book written one day about the Combine, but it has more to do with that kind of stuff than it does – uh, you know, the the underwear Olympics that we're going get, to get into in the next few days. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, last night I ran into Darren Sproles, who's now like a scout with the Eagles, and talked with him. Like, you just, like, literally you turn around and you're like, oh, here we are. Uh, you know, it's a, and people you hadn't seen in a few years. Like, I haven't seen Darren Sproles in a few years because obviously when he got traded and, you know, we covered him, but now he's about, oh, great to see, like, great, you know, and you, you just, you just talk and, you, you know, it, it's, it's definitely an epicenter. There's, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, but Jeff, uh, on that note, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. So the epicenter leaves. And, uh, you know, I'll just be heading back to Algiers, ready to rock and roll. You know, come on. So it's, you know, hey, hey you got to leave, you got to leave, uh, somewhat paradise of cold, snow in my mouth, Indianapolis at some point, right? Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. I mean, have you even, I guess you're outside a little bit, moving from place to place, but for the most part, you spend all your time either there in the in the uh, football stadium media room or you're going through corridors of hotels or in restaurants, right? I mean, you're spending so much time just basically trying to network, uh, you don't even get to see outside Indianapolis very much. 
Yeah, I'm still trying to get the wine out of my breath. So yes, exactly. So you know, you know. So that's 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 like the Jeff Duncan way. Like you know, the wine. Like I, I felt like I was you. You know, just just wine toasting everyone. Yeah, last you're night, not but, much of a wine guy. I mean, you'll drink wine, but that's not your preferred no. Drink I, of choice. It was. It was I was. I was Mr. Wine Guy last night. It was. Uh, you know, me and uh, and some other potential. Uh, you know. St. Staffers, this, this, that, and the other. And, and Joe Brady, Boy Wonder. I ran, like I said, I ran into him. Boy Wonder. So uh, on that note, before I get myself in trouble and start leaking information, I shouldn't. <laughs> I think people would rather hear this than they'd rather hear exactly. I know, exactly. But all right, well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. Of course, go check us out, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, hop on board. You can go there, 40% off. Uh, local coverage, national coverage. You get it. Of course, we're going to bring it all the time. Uh, and it's overwhelming how how incredible the work we do. And, of course, uh, if you are listening to us, Apple, Spotify, all wherever you get your podcasts, certainly feel free to do that as well. Rate, review, subscribe, tell 10, tell 20, tell 1,000 people. Jump on board the Duncan Older podcast. So for, for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Older. Uh, appreciate our producer as well for putting up with our shenanigans as always, Danielle. She uh, kicks butt and uh, will continue to kick butt. So for Jeff, I'm Larry. Thanks again for listening to the Duncan Older Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.